Welcome to the Citadel at the end of time. Come on. Congratulations. Y'all had an awfully long journey to get here. He's impressed. Who's impressed? He who remains. And who is he? He created all, and he controls all. At the end, it is only he who remains. Popheads, welcome to the final installment of Loki Wednesdays for the season. This is issue 171 of the TomCast Popcast, coming to you from a dumbwaiter in the Citadel at the end of time. My name is Tom, and thank you so much for listening to this quality independent pop culture podcast. Please follow the show on social media at TomCastPopCast on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, TomCastPopCast at gmail.com. Please make sure you're liking, subscribing, and sharing this podcast with all your friends, family, and loved ones, and even the people you don't like that much, but you know they need to listen to some good podcasts in their lives. This is the show for them. Get them on the right track. Help them understand the world of pop culture all around them. And I thank you in advance for doing so. If you're on Apple Podcasts and you have the time and the inclination, a five-star review is so insanely helpful for us to uh, punch the algorithm right in its stupid face. And uh, yeah, we like doing that. We like punching algorithms right in their face. It's the best. It's the great time. It's the greatest time ever. Best time ever. So that's right. We're back. It's the season finale of Loki. Oh my goodness gracious. So much to get into with this episode. I, I don't even know where to start because, uh, uh, I mean, how do you talk about something that had so much... Uh, ramifications on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The, 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 the breadth, the scope, the depth of it all. Just fantastic, fantastic stuff. We're going to do our best to get, get into all the different aspects, all the different avenues this episode goes down. And, and like there, there's, a, there's a lot to get into. And uh, I will take a small, small victory lap. But we'll save that for the, for the show proper. Uh, because I, I'm giving myself a... a Slightly better than partial credit. I'm giving myself like three quarters credit for something. <laughs> but we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll get into all those things. So I hope you're ready. I hope you have your... Uh, I hope you've watched the episode because, yeah, we're diving into spoilers. I mean, that's right there on the on the headline for the episode. Spoilers in big giant you know parentheses. Uh, yeah, because we're talking about all of it. And I can't wait. I was completely enraptured with this episode. And, and, and I think, I think, I, I, I hope you all felt the same. And, ooh, I can't wait to talk about it. We're going to get into it. We're going to get fired up for it. Because, uh, yeah, big things. Uh, let me make sure I get this out. Of, uh, I want to make sure I address this now. This is Loki Episode 6. For All Time, Always is the title of the episode. Directed by, once again, by Kate Heron, who directed the entire season. And I think did a just top-notch, killer, killer job. This episode written by Michael Waldron, the showrunner of the, show, of the series, and Eric Martin. Uh, so I, I don't think Michael Waldron's written an entire episode uh, since the first one. Uh, he's, had a, he's had a really talented team of writers 
come on board to kind of guide this show to its finale. And uh, he steps back on board, steps back onto the page, uh, penning the words for Loki and Sylvie to say. And uh, yeah, I think that's a really nice touch there, as, as always, to get that back in there. So yes, like now that we got the credits for the episode handled, yeah, let's dive into the conversation. Again, I hope you guys are ready. I hope you are are doing what you're supposed to do, but we can't talk about that just yet. <laughs> it's going to be a fun one. I think we're going to have a really, a really, really good time talking about this because uh, as, as up as I am about the episode, we do have to talk about, like, there's a couple things that have to be addressed that could be uh, considered uh, bumps in the road or, or even uh, things left unsaid or unaddressed. And, and there are some, again, we will talk about all of that and and uh, uh, I hope in a, in a fair and balanced sort of way where we can praise the show, but we will talk about a couple of the little chinks in the armor from the episode and, and maybe the hows and whys that those came to be. So get ready for that. Uh, before we start the show proper, though, I do have to thank the most important people. Uh, those are the official members of Pophead Nation. They are the ones who keep this show afloat, and hopefully uh, what they're also doing is, is helping improve this show. And I, I'll, I'll leave that up to you, the wonderful, kind listener out there, that, uh, that we are getting better and better. And it's, it's, it's uh, due to the support of the official members of Pophead Nation, which you can join at patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopCast. You can join the nation and gain access to all the sweet bonus content. Thank you to our current Patreons, the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman of Park, Jeff Nail, Jeff, co-host of The Ringineer, a great music podcast. Please check it out. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squidmaster General Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil Mark Wegemer, our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pariah Brewing Company, right here in San Diego, California. Go get their beers now. And coming soon to Baltimore, Maryland, where you'll be able to get their beers in the near future. Also, of course, the Beer Hop Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hops. All right. Are you ready? Are you, you know what to do next. You got to know the steps by now. You sit down, you buckle up. You hold on to your butts, and you buckle up again. Let's go. It's crazy, but he could make it work. All of it. Everything. Exactly the way you've always wanted. And you can have it all together. It's fiction. We write our own destiny now. Oh, sure you do. Good luck with that. Okay, here he is back again to join us for the season finale of Loki. My brother Mark from Los Angeles, California. How are you doing today, sir? Good. How are you? I am doing uh, pretty, pretty good, man. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Because uh, I watched the season finale of Loki, and I I really enjoyed it. Mark, how, what did you think? I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. At the very least, right? Yes. <laughs> um, you know, it it's such a big episode in, in the fact that, like the scope by the end of this episode is 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 huge i mean we we go from the sacred timeline to now the multiverse of madness like it has officially begun right that's what it seems yeah so it's 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 i i i so much want to dive in and talk about the end of the end of the and sh- the end of the show um but obviously we have to start at the beginning <laughs> and I, I guess 
I'm curious what your what your train of thought was. Where was your head at as we're watching the show and we're getting uh, we're you know they're making their way to the citadel. They make their way into the citadel. Miss Minutes shows up, offering them a deal and and drops the name He Who Remains. Uh, where where were you? Where was your head at? Were you just kind of along for the ride? Where were you thinking like, oh, Mister X, Red Herrings? You know, where were you at with it? Um, I was along for the ride. I wasn't really thinking Mister X. Um, I just felt like the the time for that and the story was over, and it was just it was all just a matter of like, okay, let's get to whoever this is, most likely Kang. Right. And, you know, we had speculated, we, you know, we speculated a lot about what they were going to find at the Citadel. And we, we even broached the topic of it being like the superior Loki on the other side as the one pulling all the strings here. Um, was there, was there any, any disappointment in, in the sort of revelation or were you kind of just okay with everything? Cause it was, it unfolded in a way that you were, you were cool with. Um, it all unfolded in a way that I was cool with. Um, I wouldn't say I was disappointed with anything. That being said, you, you know, it's hard because everyone theorizes and you hear so much talk, everyone's saying like it's so, saying that it's Kang the Conqueror throughout the whole show. And so that's what we get. And it's one of those difficult things and I... You know, I tried to not let those expectations mar my enjoyment of it. Yeah, and yeah, you're you're definitely right about that. I mean, and obviously we're doing this podcast, and and I'm very often throwing things out there. You know, like like pieces of information where things could go. You know, and and you know, I'm a, I'm a, as much along for the ride as anybody watching these shows. It's not like I have any kind of uh, like insight. I just you know, because I'm a nerd and I know, I know a decent amount of the comic books, it, it makes it fun for me to sort of play along. Um, and and we at one point I had mentioned I'd thrown the name out there of, of He Who Remains, and and I was when, when I'll be honest when Miss Minutes first said that name, I was like I was like oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, <laughs> and I sort of lost it. I sort of lost it for a minute or two. I was quite quite excited to hear that name being dropped by Miss Minutes at the, in in the uh, the opening of the Citadel scene. Is is that an actual name for Kang? <laughs> no, it's it's actually a different character. Um, though his name, at least according to as far as I know, unless they've changed something recently, like he was a character who who was sort of unknown. We don't know who he was. He just became known as He Who Remains, and he was a character who. Uh, was sort of like the he, he sort of ran the TVA at the end of towards the end of time, um, and we had mentioned him being a possibility. Like I think I think it was you and I were speculating about like the sort of like Wizard of Oz kind of ending here. Like you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, and that was one of the names I threw out there as as potentially being the man behind the curtain. Now what they okay. ended up doing, I thought was pretty clever, uh, with it being an iteration of Kang, for for sure. by and large. Now, granted, when when Jonathan Major shows up, he never calls himself Kang any by any means or or by any name. He never says anything about his actual identity. That's true. He does talk about a couple of the multiverse versions of himself, one of which goes by the Conqueror. Right. So you sort of you sort of get 
I think the fan base sort of gets what they wanted, which was Kang, but not Kang. Yes. So I, I really dug the way they did that. And then another thing that we speculated about um, was if it is Kang at the end of time, controlling the TVA and controlling everything, you know, perhaps the reason why he's pruning the timeline is to bring about his own coming sort of situation. I like how they sort of flip that. And it's about, you know, it's an alternate version, a variant of Kang, basically, trying to make sure Kang and the, uh, you know, the other bad versions of him don't come. Right. So I sort of liked that whole thing. Like, you know, maybe the Lokis don't care for the way the TVA does their business, but it'd be a lot worse if the TVA wasn't doing their business. I liked all that information they were they were dumping on us. Yeah, um, you know, I, I I thought it was pretty good, and I thought um, Jonathan Majors did a good job with what essentially was just a, a big exposition dump. Yeah, exactly, and that was the thing I was going to mention next. I mean, for for a season finale, you know, we were we were we were expecting this this big confrontation and maybe some sort of uh, I don't know some sort of action packed finale sort of situation but I mean it's a ton of exposition whether it's Sylvie and Loki with he who remains or whether it's Mobius and Renslayer or Mobius and B-15 I mean it's just a lot of uh, uh, chatting you know just talky talk right and I'll be honest I was absolutely riveted by all of it I thought it was all insanely interesting yeah, I thought it was good. I wouldn't say riveted, but I thought I thought it was. Good. I was, I was on the edge of my seat for this, and and uh, Jonathan John, uh, Jonathan Major's performance, I I really was into it. It was a really like like scene chewing kind of performance from him, uh, making his debut in the Marvel universe, and uh, yeah, I I I I ate it up. And the, I've been watching, I've been sort of like steadily rewatching the episode today. And I, uh, the more I watch it, the more I think it's just this really fun, nuanced performance. And I can't kind of, I can't kind of wait to see what he does with it as the role expands, whether it's across the multiverse itself or just as Kang directly. Right. Because as you know, at least I think you know, uh, Kang will be featured prominently in the new Ant Man and Wasp movie. That is what I've heard. Yeah, and that one's not even coming out until twenty twenty three. So the, the the end of this oh. the end of this series sets up a lot of movies that are coming out in the next month, but the one that Kang's going to show up in won't even be until twenty twenty three. You would think he would be in the multiverse of madness. Well, you know, there's a there's a, a fair amount of speculation that perhaps he will be now, and that maybe maybe Jonathan Majors' contract is a little bit more uh, open ended, you know, for cameos and things like that. The way they've always worked in characters, uh, you know, back and forth across movies in the past right uh was this your first time seeing him in anything i think so I yeah think i've seen him i wasn't i wasn't sure if you'd watched lovecraft country when it was on no um i'm gonna read the book before i before i check that out oh fair enough though sadly hbo decided not to renew the series but uh the, that first season is really good do we need multiple seasons of every show? I feel like that's probably a good thing. <laughs> As we're talking about a show that just got renewed for a second season. <laughs> yeah, well, but, you know, Wanda and, and Falcon and Winter Soldier didn't. So, or, or there's been no announcement as far as I know. Uh, 
and I I'm perfectly fine with that. Well, since since we're talking about that, I mean, we should mention it. I mean, in the in the case of Wanda and Vision, it's sort of that that show sort of felt like a bridge, right, to like whatever's right. next uh, for them in in the features. Oh, um, and very much the same thing with Falcon and Winter Soldier. It felt like a stepping stone to the next Captain America movie with with Sam Wilson as Captain America. This, um, this episode. How how should I phrase it? I mean, and I don't know if you agree with me or not. Uh, it 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 sort of changed its tone from what we were getting in, in the previous episodes, with the Lokis kind of gaining a bigger and better understanding of themselves, uh, and, and and sort of like like their powers and their capabilities. That sort of got set aside uh, for this for this confrontation with He Who Remains, and sort of the the expanding. Of the timeline of the multiverse, as as they as as they understand it, as 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 like sort of their um, as their base of knowledge of what what's going on is is growing, their personal issues sort of get shunted to the side. Which to me is like the only downfall of the episode is that a lot of these interesting aspects that were brought up in prior episodes kind of got put off to the side. The only reason why I'm not more upset about that is. Because they announced that season two is coming, and I, I figured that that's where we'll get more explanation about the Lokis, uh, their, their their powers being stronger together than apart. And, you know, we still don't have a good explanation for what the Nexus event was that Sylvie and, and our Loki caused. Um, right. And again, those are things that were going to bother me until I saw season two announcements. And I was like, oh, all right, well, cool. You know, you get that, mid, that mid-credit stinger that Loki will be back in season two. So I, I I sort of sh- I sort of right. uh, I sort of shunted my my uh, like hey what the hell where, where are we gonna where, what about this Nexus event what's going on there? Well, we didn't get those things, but we also we also didn't get an explanation of how a Nexus event is even created. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I know, and I mean, again, these were the things that I w- I wanted more information about, and I think you and I talked about how we had hoped we'd get more information about that in this episode. Um, but I, I, sort of te- I sort of tempered my criticisms because I saw, like, oh, season two, they'll explore this more fully. Obviously, there's more story here for the TVA and for the Lokis than, than this one season and this one series. And it, it may be something that even pans out uh, because now uh, the, the rumors are, are circulating that, that Tom Hiddleston will be appearing in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. So he may have a role in that. Nexus events may have a role in that. You know, we talked about we talked about Nexus events back with WandaVision too. So there may be a whole thing between Wanda and Loki, even if I were to speculate. Right. I don't know. Am I way off base? Am I am I connecting things that don't need to be connected? I mean, it seems like they're connected, but I don't know. I I, I at this point I. At this point, I don't know if they're going to bother to explain that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they will. And uh, in, for anyone listening, just to, uh, I want to point this out that uh, Michael Waldron, uh, the the writer of the first and final episodes of the season, also the showrunner for Loki, uh, he's also the screenwriter for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So I feel like the man might have a plan. <laughs> At least I Maybe. hope so. I hope so. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you. I mean, let's talk about. Let's take a little time out from from 
He Who Remains, and, and Loki and Sylvie, and, and talk about Renslayer and Mobius, uh, their sort of reunion, uh, and, and how that played out for you. Were you satisfied with that? Was it, you know, w- when, we, when we last saw Mobius, we thought he was going back to tear down the TVA, and, I mean, he's able to, to show the TVA agents that they're variants by, by finding Renslayer in the timeline, Right, but other than than kind of exposing the fact that they're all variants, it doesn't do much as far as tearing down the time, the tearing down the TVA and burning to the ground. Well, I, I mean, you're essentially disrupting. He's essentially disrupting their entire belief system, and he does try to convince Renslayer to do something. He doesn't really say say what so i don't know i mean i i guess it depends on your definition of bring it all down yeah well and renslayer seems to have have a bit of a plan too because she she believes in the tva and what they're doing still uh believes that they have a purpose there and that without them something terrible would would happen which is what he who remains is telling our loki's is that without the tva bad things are coming um yeah, but when she leaves Mobius after she, you know, gives him a swift kick to the chest and sends him flying backwards, you know, and she uses her temp pad and goes through the doorway. Uh, this is after the scene where she's gotten a file from Miss Minutes that that he who remains wanted her to have. We have no idea what's in there, what's going on, what her mission is going to be as she goes through that doorway. But she says she's going to battle or find free will or fight for free will, something along those lines. Right. And, and free will is a big part of this episode. And and so I was curious if you had any thoughts about that perspective on things. I mean, we're going back to something we talked about in the first episode. Uh, the idea that if someone is, knows everything, are we all just, you know, predetermined? Is there anything, is there such a thing as free will? And I was curious what you thought about that. I mean, it certainly seems like there isn't. <laughs> well, I mean, they do get to that point where, 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 uh, he who remains does not know what will happen next. Right. Which seems to be the one point in the show where where now is the time for free will, and it's going to go one of two ways, and our two Lokis are on either side of it. But even that is kind of bizarre, isn't it? He knows everything up to this point? Sort of. I mean, it's very Doctor Who. I'm not going to lie. It's It's a very Doctor Who sort of thing. You know, the, the idea of, like, fixed points and things like that. Um, I've, I've heard comparisons to Doctor Who. Uh, as you know, I'm not very familiar with that show, so I can't say anything about it. Maybe Doctor Who does a better job explaining things. Not always. <laughs> no? Okay. No, you, sometimes you just have to trust whatever the Doctor's saying uh, will make sense somehow, some way. Okay. But, yeah, so they don't they, they don't really address that issue head on in this the 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 idea of, of free will versus predetermination and, and destiny pre or you know whatever like we're just following it, it's sort of funny because the loki's thought they were exp- expressing free will by tracking down he who remains and he tells them no 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 i laid out a, a girl a, you know a yellow brick road and all you did was follow it right and, it, and i thought that was very interesting and, and sort of like a, a just a blow to them yeah and but and I think that that 
pretty much answers the question about free will. I mean, he, he literally showed them a script, which I thought he was going to hand them pages from the actual screenplay for Loki. I thought that would have been kind of funny. <laughs> Camera but, uh, pans right. <laughs> yeah. Fade the back. Uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems like there there isn't free will, which, I don't know, makes you... I guess, doesn't that make you kind of reassess the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe? Does that make it seem less epic? It's like, well, who really cares? Because there's just some guy at the end of time who wrote all this down. Potentially. You know, actually, since you you brought the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, I I wanted to ask you, the introduction on this episode, the way the Marvel... uh, You know, the way the Marvel logo came onto the screen with all those clips of dialogue... And yeah. you sort of expand into the into the universe, and then you see other universes, and you kind of cut back in. And again, you're hearing kind of key pieces of dialogue uh, from Marvel stuff, but also from like I think a couple of philosophers snuck in there too. Um, that was a very different take on the Marvel intro banner, right? I mean, I've, and obviously it sort of had to do with what we were about to see with this this at the end of time sort of thing, where everything's kind of converging together, right? Is that did I interpret that correctly, or you think it means something else? Um, I th- yeah, I think you're interpreting it correctly. I, I went back and, and rewatched it and I rewatched it with subtitles and, and yeah, they, they had a few, it, it's not just clips of, uh, of Marvel dialogue. There's Neil Armstrong in there. Yes. Uh, yes. Maya Angelou at one point, um, a, a couple others that, that I don't remember, but yeah, I, I guess that's what they were going for. Um, because it, it looked like at one point, you know, they were just expanding from from our solar system, ga- galaxy, universe, and then it looked like it all shrunk down and exploded again, like the the contraction and 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 like a big bang. But I don't know if that's what they were going for. I, I wonder if I misinterpreted that. Um, yeah, that almost felt to me like like sort of like a. Um... What am I thinking of? Like, like Battlestar Galactica, like, you know, everything starts over again, you know, like it's all a cycle. <laughs> oh, I haven't watched uh, Battlestar Galactica. Well, they're not the only only sci-fi property that's ever, you know, flirted with that idea that, that you know, at, at the end of time, everything just starts over again. Sure. Um, ultimately, the, the opening just reminded me of the opening of Contact. I've heard comparisons that I and I couldn't I really couldn't remember the beginning of Contact. It's been I don't I haven't seen it's, it since we saw it in theaters. It's pretty much the same thing, only a lot slower. Uh, <laughs> with less superheroes on it, um, I would imagine. Far fewer. Far 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 fewer. Um I, I, okay, let's go back to the Citadel because again, that's where the bulk of this episode takes place. And Again, you know, the free will issue is very interesting, but again, we're not going to get any real answers out of that from the right. show. Like Again, at a certain point, this this episode becomes table setting, but really good table setting. I really, like I said, I really dig this episode. I, I think they do a great job of sort of balancing a lot, or, or not even balancing, but like spinning a lot of plates. Um, you know, getting things set up, but sort of bringing this chapter of Loki's story to uh, a, a fairly dramatic ending. Right, and and um, I don't know. I I don't know what what am what am I missing here? Well, have, have I not brought up anything that you 
I want to want to say from this from this this conversation that they're having that that Loki and Sylvie are having, or anything between the Lokis. I mean, do you want to just get into like when they start disagreeing with each other? Well, if we're going to talk about what they're talking, I'm. I have to. I'm very confused about the sacred timeline and all of these multiverses and how it works within Marvel. Am I? Am I? Am I the only one that that feels that way? Uh, maybe it depends. Like what? What? Where? Are you, where are you struggling at? Well, it, it, you know, it, it goes back to to Endgame. And uh, what the Ancient One says about the Infinity Stones protecting the flow of time. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and I, I mean, I guess we kind of we talked about this earlier. So like, well, if, if the Infinity Stones are protecting the flow of time and, and protecting it from, from like, the, these branches, then, again, like, how do we have these, these Nexus events um and and then and then is 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 the sacred time the, the sacred timeline are there are there multiple timelines within that or or is it or is it just the one timeline that that we've been watching for all these movies i believe it has been one timeline for all these movies and that they okay. that and that it's what what we're sort of learning is that the 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 universe and the timeline itself wants to branch. It wants to have these multiple realities and these multiple timelines. And it, this is what the nature of the galaxy and, and time and space is. Mm-hmm. But he who remains has decided that can't be the way because of the wars that he lived through against the other his other variants. So he trimmed okay. it. He, he started that. He started the TVA to to prune these other existences out. Okay. But yes. In in Infinity War, yes, didn't Doctor Strange look at millions of alternate realities to find which one, like in which one, the Avengers beat Thanos? Yeah, and I, again, that's a that's a little another little tricky area where I I'm, I'm assuming he has ability to 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 follow a thread. Like where if we do this, this is the outcome, and if we what if we do it like sure. this, he can follow the outcome this way. Project in the future. Yeah, and and again, like, like okay, I I think everyone's pretty aware that that the time travel elements of the Avengers movies are a little wonky, and even the writers <laughs> and the directors don't agree with each other on how it should be viewed. So, <laughs> you know, we just kind of have to go on the ride with that, and you either buy into it or you don't. You know, right. I, I have my set of problems with what they do for time travel in that movie, but I'm, I have so much fun with the movie itself. I don't, I won't use it. I won't use it as a way to knock the film. Right. Okay. So, all right. I just I accept that it's a little you, clunky. <laughs> I guess if you explain Dr. Strange is looking only at possibilities, I suppose. Yeah. I think, I think he's exploring possibilities like, like, okay, okay, if we do this, this is the outcome. If we do this, this is the outcome. And he keeps going through those scenarios. It's sort of okay. like like like, right. like the way a computer would pro- would project the future, I suppose. Like we've seen plenty of films like that too. Okay, and that's yeah, sort of, that's that's sort of my interpretation. And I I you know I don't know if if I've misspoken. If anyone in the audience has a has a a better, more clear and concise 
uh, understanding of things, please, by all means, reach out and share it with us. I'd, I'd love to hear it. Um, you know, I was always, <laughs> the, the idea of the, the multiversal time travel th thing is, is something that's fairly new to me as a sci-fi fan. I'm used to like the, the one timeline. And when Marty goes, you know, back, back to the alternate 1985, you know, all he has to do is destroy a book and fix it. That's, that's how you, that's how you fix these things, right? <laughs> like you don't right. cause a multiverse to spin out of it, but I guess that's, I guess that is the more, uh, plausible, scenario in in the world of, of astrophysics and things like that i you know again i don't know i'm not i am far from a scientist sure yeah no i i just want to make sure i'm i understand it all well, so I, I don't i don't go back and, and rewatch these movies so yeah well like i said the one uh, one of the biggest things i took from this episode was it, it seems like the, the the time and space wants to expand wants these right. branches of reality and and time space and it's it's Kang, whether you agree with him or not, pruning them out of existence to make sure that the 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 the, the tyrant versions of himself don't come to be. Right. Um, so again, whether you agree with him or not, and and I guess that's something I wanted to ask you about as you're listening to him talk. And actually, I want to go ahead and play the the clip where he's sort of explaining things. You mind if I play okay. that? Go ahead. All right. This is where he's doing that cool thing with the. He's rolling that little thingy up on his on his uh, circular temp pad that he has on his hand, right? And he's gonna do like the little uh, claymation. I don't know, not claymation. You know what I mean, though. <laughs> it reminded me of the uh, the pin art for Men of Steel. Yeah, there you go. All right, let's check the scene out. Eons ago, before the TVA, a variant of myself lived on Earth in the thirty-first century. He was a scientist, and he discovered that there were universes stacked on top of his own. And at the same time, other versions of us were learning the same thing. Naturally, they made contact, and for a while, there was peace. Narcissistic, self-congratulatory peace. I love your shoes, I love your hair. Oh, man, nice nose, thanks, man, etc. They, They shared technology knowledge, using the best of their universes to improve the others. However, not every version of me was so, so pure of heart. Some of us, new worlds meant only one thing, new lands to be conquered. All right, so... Uh, on this scene, I wanted to show you. Uh, well, you can't see what I'm seeing, unfortunately. But did you notice that how all of a sudden uh, the the model that they're using takes on a bit more of a Kang esque vibe? Yes. <laughs> and I thought that was interesting, especially when they show all of them kind of fighting each other, and it's like, oh, that's very Kang of all of them. <laughs> but he also in the in the one he's also has like what appears to be that that uh, baton that the TVA has for pruning. Right. Which I thought was very interesting too. So apparently, like. That pruning device may have come from an, an alternate Kang in an alternate timeline who was using it against his his variants. I was curious about that. I don't know if you thought the same thing or not. Um, I guess I just I didn't think that much of it. I I just kind of thought of it as um, you know, it just made sense to me. Yeah. Let me let me play the rest of it here. Hang on. Peace between realities. 
erupted into all-out war, each variant fighting to preserve their universe and annihilate the others. This is almost the end, ladies and gentlemen, of everything and everyone. And then the timekeepers came along and saved us all. <laughs> I like this part. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. No, this is where we diverge from the dogma. That first variant encountered a creature created from all the, the tears in reality, capable of consuming time and space itself. A creature you both know. Elias. Bingo. All right, I'm going to stop there because the scene's long. <laughs> yeah. But uh, again, this is like we're getting a lot of answers to to some to some really important questions that we were asking uh, on, on prior episodes, and we're we're sort of getting to to fill in the blanks too from like again like what he says like breaking from the dogma of the TVA of the the illusion of the timekeepers and and all that good stuff. Um, as he's presenting this argument, or what, or as he's telling the story, I guess I should say, we're watching our our Loki Sylvie and and our Loki Tom Hiddleston. Uh, take in this information and this data, and eventually he he does come to the to the 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 big statement of like if you kill me, which you can, bad things will come, and and Sylvie doesn't buy it at all. Our Loki does. How did you feel watching it? I mean, I feel like we sort of know because unfortunately we are burdened with knowledge that. Jonathan Majors is King the Conqueror. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> I feel like we have to believe him, right? <laughs> but I mean, do you understand where Sylvie's coming from? Or is she coming from a place of just hurt and pain and she wants to take it out on, on this person that she blames for it? Um, I'd say a bit of both, but mostly the latter. Yeah. And yeah. what, I mean, do you, how'd you feel about, or like, well, again, if you had, if watching it play out, the way our Lokis begin to disagree with each other. Do you see where she was coming from with, with not trusting our Loki? Or do you think they should have put that all behind them and she's just un un incapable of trusting anyone? I will say she should have put it all behind them. I'm, I mean, obviously she's not incapable of trusting anyone, but, um, you know, clearly she's not ready to. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think our, our Loki has a makes a convincing uh, ar argument of why she should be listening to what he is saying about how something worse could be coming, and how he sort of says, you know, uh, he, he basically what he says is like it takes a liar to know a liar, and I know this guy's not lying because I am a liar. <laughs> right. And that sounds like something a liar would say. <laughs> it's just turtles all the way down. With well, that argument. I understand, but I mean, this again, this this factors into the trust issue that the trust issues that Sylvie has, and and you know, not trusting the bond that these two Lokis formed with each other uh, over the course of the series, and uh, and of course, she makes the decision to, uh, you know, kill him, and and yeah. you know, in in theory, end her pain and suffering, uh, but instead seems to bring about the end. <laughs> And not springs out something, yeah, and not like in the good way because you know as she kills he who remains, 
we see the timeline as it wraps around the Citadel and it begins to branch off in a lot of different directions. And we cut back to the TVA who's watching it on their, on their monitors, on their, on their, on their temp pads as well. And she has, at this point, we, we didn't talk about like the, the, the really great fight scene uh, between Loki and Sylvie, which I thought was really a uh, very emotional fight scene. You know, it, it seemed like, you know, uh, Tom Hiddleston's Loki didn't want to hurt Sylvie and Sylvie didn't really want to hurt him, but she definitely wants to kill he who remains. Right. So eventually she's able to, uh, how's it go? It's like she takes the tempad, right? And then kicks him through and then kills he remains. Was that, was that how it played out? Yeah, she she flicked aside the desk, and I don't I, I don't yeah, remember she, what she did. With she the, sent the, she the, sent Loki away first. He he had put his temp yeah. pad towards the front of the desk, and she was able to take it and then sent Loki away. Uh, my question to you is is because uh, it's a great. I, I really liked the the scene where she kills he who remains. The way she you know does the whole thing with the desk and. Again, Jonathan Majors having a, a, a fantastic time chewing that scenery with his kind of borderline over-the-top performance. Um, uh, uh, and then stabbing him, again, as we watch the multiverse begin to expand. Uh, and the realization that we saw that Loki got kicked through the gateway, to the, through the doorway, and sent back to the TVA. My question to you is, did she intentionally... Do you think she sent him to the TVA that we know or to an alternate one, where they don't know him, because that's how this episode sort of ends. Or has th- or has things changed so much? I got the impression that things have changed so much. Um, that was what I thought as well. I've read I've read some stuff where people seem to be thinking that it's an alternate TVA in an alternate timeline now, which I guess I guess could be one interpretation. Um, but it's it definitely seems like something it, it, many somethings have changed at the TVA as as we get like that that Planet of the Apes moment where Loki looks up after after Mobius and B fifteen have no idea who he is and instead of seeing the Statue of Liberty you see the face of Kang or he who remains as he doesn't know him as Kang yet right instead of the instead of the statues of the Timekeepers they've all been replaced with one singular image. Right. And I thought that was a great way to end the show. <laughs> I fucking loved it. <laughs> For me, it kind of it it, it depends on I, I enjoyed it, but it kind of depends whether whether or not it it turns out to be really truly great. I think depends on on where they go from here. Um, in terms in terms of explaining things, yes. Um, just because, it, like, yeah, it could be the Statue of Liberty moment from Planet of the Apes, or it could be the Lincoln Memorial moment from Planet of the Apes. <laughs> oh, boo, no. We don't talk yeah. about that, ever. <laughs> it, it could be either one of those. So the, um, Mark, the Mark Wahlberg Planet of the Apes has been pruned from all timelines. Unfortunately, it's not. Well, I'm trying my hardest, Mark, okay? Maybe that's what Renslayer's doing. She's out trying to prune Mark Wahlberg movies from the timeline. I could finally get behind that character. <laughs> um, yeah, I you know again like so much of this this episode is centered around exposition, and as much as I would just love to play huge swaths of it 
on the podcast, I probably uh, will get in a lot of trouble with Disney. They already uh, email me nasty things, so <laughs> we Hello. won't we won't do that too much, other than the, a little bit of, the, of those Kang ex- excerpts. But I really dig this episode. I love the way it sets everything up. Uh, for the first time since Infinity War, I mean, I mean, I guess in the grand scheme of the Marvel universe, this is the second cliffhanger they've ever done, right? Yeah, wouldn't you say the that's only the second cliffhanger? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and uh, I I think it's a pretty darn epic one as well. Uh, again, with everything, you know, they, they again they they sort of shifted gears in this episode. We we sort of take a little bit of the uh, personal, intimate attention away from the Lokis, and we're looking at a big, you know, time space continuum sort of version of the Marvel universe that we had never seen before, and now it's completely in peril, and everything's about to turn upside down in a way that we haven't seen. Uh, you know, we thought it was bad when, uh, when, when, when Thanos snapped half of the universe out of existence. This might be even uh, more uh, dramatic than that in the grand scheme of things, depending on how things shake out, as we're going to see over the course of several movies coming out later this year. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's hard to say it's as dramatic as uh, the snap, just because, you know, we don't see half our heroes vanish into dust but the but the implication is there yeah the implication for sure i mean and again it, it's it's a, it's a little bit different because you know obviously uh at the end of infinity war you know we all had those emotional connections to those characters so watching them get blinked out of existence uh was a bit more um you know emotional emotional for all of us this this right. could be different and now like and i totally agree with what you said i mean depending on what happens next could have could could drastically alter my opinion on 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 this finale uh, because if they don't kind of follow through and, and sort of stick the landing for everything they're setting up, you know, it, it could just be a, a, a huge misstep, but I, I, I'm very confident in what they have planned out, at least the way it appears to be going, you know, we, we and we sort of know the road that they're on. Uh, I, I guess the thing I'm, I'm most curious about is like our next two excursions into the Marvel cinematic universe are new characters. So I'm wondering, I'm assuming we will not see much, implication of, of of these events in Chang Chi and the Eternals, right? I definitely don't think so for uh, Shang Chi. Um, I don't know anything about the Eternals. Yeah. So, well, the, I mean, the thing I'm wondering now is if is with 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 the sacred timeline now having been uh, uh, altered in some way is, is that, does that mean there's an alteration to the Marvel cinematic universe timeline? Will we start seeing what, what, when and what will we start seeing uh, affected from this? As, as I guess the question I have to ask is, as we sort of move forward here with the new movies, like, are we going to, are we going to see something in, in changes where you're like, huh, that's interesting. And maybe it's like a little tweak to the timeline here. And, you know, something in Eternals is a little bit of a tweak, which is why we'll have an explanation for why they aren't there during during Endgame. Maybe. You know, it I don't know. also sounds like a headache. Yes, it very well could be. I, I, I guess I'm just kind of curious. Again, they, they, they expand the scope so much on in this, this show. I'm wondering how, what, what, it, what it will have in store for those two films in particular. Obviously, we know Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, and Ant-Man will probably be the ones dealing with the brunt of this. Right. 
and I guess that's uh, that's sort of like the 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 again the the place they're gonna have to keep spinning uh, as as this threat continues to grow and make itself more uh, more known. Yeah. So one piece of wild speculation I wanted to throw out there. Um, we now have the, the, again the multiverse of madness. It's it's out there, and again maybe it's not madness just yet. Maybe it's just the multiverse. But we have branches in the timeline, variations everywhere. Uh, and and uh, in August, we're getting the What If series, the animated What If series. What if the What If series is more than just an animated What If series? What if it actually is depicting changes in the timeline? I mean, that could be cool. I, I mean, one of the things they are... it's it, Again, it's an interesting avenue to explore. And it makes me wonder, like... like are we going to start seeing movies that are just not in the same time space anymore? You know what I mean? So it can be more like uh, the DC cinematic universe. In, in a sense, like you can just put a movie out there and you don't, you don't have to connect to the overarching landscape of something. I'm not sure if I like that idea. Yeah. I'm not sure. Cause I'm not sure, you know, like I'm not sure I, I, I like the fact that, that, that's how Warner Brothers has decided to steer DC. Yeah. I, 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 and I mean, I complain about it with Marvel because it's also interconnected and, you know, you kind of have to watch it all, which, you know, that's a lot of hours. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think what they've, what they've done is, you know, create something very impressive that that's never, that's never been done before. And so to then just, try and like sidestep it and have like, Oh, maybe movies over here that don't really matter. I, I don't know. I'm not really into that. I, I, w- I would like to see them try to continue um, with the one storyline. I think, yeah. And I'm, I'm on the same page as you. I think that's definitely the case though. I do think uh, potentially some of these, these uh, what if stories and, and, and um, m- branches uh, in the multiverse might be of importance down the road and we'll, right. we'll just have to see how that all shakes out i mean obviously we have a lot of we have a lot of marvel movies coming out over the next like six to eight months and i'm sure i'm sure you're looking forward to every single one of them Can't wait. <laughs> i mean if you were to rank like the five marvel movies that are coming out between now and march you know what what where, where how would you rank them what's coming out between now and march you got shang chi in september you got the Eternals okay. in November, Spider Man in December. Um, oh, yeah, I guess it's four, and then Doctor Strange uh, in March. Okay. Uh, most looking forward to Doctor Strange. Um, then I'd say either Spider Man or Shang Chi. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those two kind of maybe Shang Chi just because of. It'll be different, and you know, Spider Man is Spider Man. Um, and and then last is the Eternals. I, I thought that trailer was abysmal. Yeah, I'm I'm waiting for another internal uh, Eternals trailer to kind of uh, capture my imagination a bit a bit more than that first one did. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, the, like, Doctor Strange is the one furthest out, but that seems to be the one that'll have the most. Uh, dramatic uh, uh, connections to what we just witnessed with this with this series, 
Um, focusing the attention back to the Loki series, though, and I, I did yeah. want to mention one more time because uh, we didn't we didn't talk about it in great depth. Um, but when Loki and Sylvie have their fight, uh, it, it to me like it was it was like super sad. It, it was a very emotional battle with the, that these two were having, um, and I, I don't know. I, I just felt like it was this fight with like just a ton of of sadness to it, a ton of uh, emotion and heart because none of them, neither one of them, I think, wanted to hurt each other, but. You know, Sylvie had something she felt she had to do, and Loki couldn't stop her. Yeah, I didn't. I I picked up on our Loki's sadness, and I I think it was supposed to be there mm-hmm. for Sylvie, but it it I don't know. It didn't feel that emotional to me. It, I mean, I thought it was well choreographed, and and I I liked the fight and and, and how it played out. Um. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of all, all I have for that. I, I just, I wasn't overcome with emotion watching it. I wasn't like, oh, this is so sad. Like again, I saw the sadness from from Tom Hiddleston, um, and and with Sylvie, you know, you just kind of see her holding back. Well, what did you think when she kissed him? Weird. <laughs> Wish like. Me. Weird, but okay. And, I wasn't. Uh, I, I was. I was. Yeah. I want to watch that scene a couple more times. Cause I'm trying to decide if it's some. If if it was her giving him what she thinks he wanted, or did was she did she want it too before she sent him away and possibly never saw him again? I, I guess that's what I'm trying to decide uh, from that scene. I, I want to watch it a few more times. I would say the latter, especially after their little blanket moment from the last episode. Yeah, because it was, it was like right after that that she kicks him right through the, the time door. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. again, there's a, again the episode does give you a, a, a good chunk of emotion at the same time. We don't get, we don't get sort of like that, that personal satisfaction for our Lokis. I mean, maybe Sylvie gets it, but as soon as she kills He Who Remains, she's sort of, you know, much like they talk about in, in many, many comic book stories, you know, revenge is not fulfilling and that sort of seems to be what happens to Loki as she stabs him she does not well, seem satisfied or fulfilled well you would think she would have thought to ask him hey why was I pruned again another another good question and we don't seem to get an answer to that but again maybe we'll have a better again there's another series another season coming and this is a question to to maybe hang on to a little bit longer or perhaps you know maybe maybe both these variants show up in Doctor Strange and it gets explored more fully there. My my other question about that scene, though, is um, in, in regard regard to Kang and, and maybe it's explained in the comics. I, I don't know much about him from the com- I don't know anything about him actually. So um, why why does killing him? cause everything to to then branch what is it about his existence that is keeping everything in in the one the one timeline because he was saying you know i'll give you guys uh sylvie and loki the timeline you guys can run it and everything stays cool but if you kill me then everything's gonna gonna you know multiverse of madness why can't they kill him and take over so what is it about him being around there's obviously something that, uh, I, I this again my interpretation uh, is that the, he obviously has a lot more uh, 
sway onto the sacred timeline. Uh, the, the TVA it, it enforces what he wants, you know, but chasing down and tracking these down these variants. Uh, but the, obviously, he's right. pulling more strings and making more things happen than we've been led to believe, which is why I w- the more I thought about it, because you know, one of the other things we we, you know, we never really got a, a satisfactory answer to was when Sylvie bombs the timeline at the end of episode two, and you know, right. you know, it does a it does a fair chunk of pruning herself. I need to go back. I I I feel like there's a there might be it might just even be just like a straight line of dialogue that I missed. Um, where where it talks about how the timekeepers are, you know, uh, I think Renslayer says, "Oh, the timekeepers are super busy repairing the damage to the timeline," and it's right. so like the, the, they have more power than you know the TVA exists to prune variants. Yes, but there may be more to it than just that to keep the timeline the way that uh, he who remains wanted it to be. You know, there there may yeah. be more manipulations and and strings to pull. And and also like that seems to contradict what the ancient one says in endgame when she says that it's the infinity stones that keep the flow of time in order yes and i'm not quite sure how to interpret all that maybe we'll get more explanation down the road um as far as that goes i i feel like this show's operating a little bit more independently of of what was set up in endgame you know i mean and they, they very casually dismissed the time travel element of of avengers back in the first episode and just like, yeah, that was supposed to happen. That's the, that's the way it is. I mean, and perhaps maybe even the ancient one's understanding of, of the t- the flow of time is not accurate. Fair. Yeah, true. You know, I mean, we've you know we've seen the the stones be re- you know rendered useless by the TVA. So, right. Yeah. So, so we've come right back to where we began. We don't know anything. <laughs> Hey, we know a lot, man. We know we're watching a lot more Marvel movies that are that are hopefully provide some answers, some context, and and give us a lot of fun uh, at the th- at the at the movie theaters as well. Oh boy! Oh boy! Well, since this <laughs> no. is this is yeah, the end of the I'm, season, I'm looking looking forward to most. This is the end of the season. What turns out to be season one, our mid credit stinger uh, for this for this finale is the announcement of Loki season two coming, uh, which I was excited about, and again made made me sort of table. Some of my like, wait, where's the answers to this? And where's the answer to this? And what's going on with this? Uh, because I know I'm getting more. Uh, and so I was like, I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to be patient, which, which I urge a lot of people to be. Let's see where we go. We got a lot of Marvel coming out between now and March. <laughs> and uh, that'll keep us very, very occupied. I will say, though, that I was, I was a little disappointed when I saw, oh, Loki season two coming. Uh, just because, I don't know, why not? Why not just give. Loki's own damn movie, you know, potentially. But I, again, I enjoy the long form storytelling. I, I think it's a, a much better device than than trying to cram, than trying to. Oh my god, my dogs are playing aggressively right now. Um, right. Uh, 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 sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, instead of instead of trying to compress everything down into like a two hour film, you know, why not give yourself six episodes around forty five minutes a pop? And, and and kind of let your story breathe better. I I, I enjoy that more than, than these movies nowadays that are just jam packed with everything, and you're just kind of your head spinning the entire time. Right, but I guess that's what I'm saying is you know I think you can do a longer movie. Uh, not obviously, you know, you can't make it six hours, but um, I, you know, and you can kind of slow it down as well. They don't they don't have to be these you know massive action packed. 
uh, adventures. Well, I mean, you again, know? movie, the, you know, I think movie movie theater economy uh, uh, or economics is um, changing and evolving, and I think there's uh, lower uh, expectations and demands on on creators when you're on a platform like this instead of like. You know, so much of a movie's budget is is based on advertising and and hyping these things up and and doing all these different things, and when you know you can just throw it on on your platform that you already have seventy billion people subscribing to and are going to watch it from the convenience of their own home, and and talk about it all weekend long on social media. Uh, it, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot less overhead financially speaking when when you're doing a show like this. And again, these are not cheap shows. I'm not trying to say that by any means. Right. But there's a lot. I, I just feel like there's a lot less that has to make that goes into making these happen, as opposed to like a movie that takes you know a million years to to film and complete and to get scheduled and and the whole the whole rigmarole of it all. You know, right. you can do a smaller production on a smaller scale, uh, with with more effective storytelling uh, on on a series. I I don't I don't disagree. But I, I just I felt like this story was was big enough that 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 this could have you know like it, it would have been very entertaining to see this on on the big screen. Well, and you know if you wanted to make a knock about the Marvel universe, I mean it you know the 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 quiet character moments are kind of few and far between in those movies because they're they're very action driven. Right, and you get more of that in the in these series than you have anywhere else. You know, like like WandaVision was only going to work in this format. You know, that was not going to play as a movie. Sure, 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 sure. You know, but, you, uh, you could argue that Falcon and Winter Soldier could have been a movie, but you know, again, I think this I think this is just a, a, a you know take advantage of this this so so easily accessible platform, and and just get your get your stuff out there and and get people hyped for the ones that are coming to the theaters. Yeah, uh, I guess, but I, I, I think it would it would be less of a it would be less of a knock on on Marvel films if if they put more stuff like this with more character moments in movie theaters. Well, good luck with that. I'm not sure that's I'm not sure that's the Marvel Cinematic formula. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess some people have complained that that Loki was not as action packed as they thought it was going to be, and. I, feel like there was more than enough so no i well those people again the, maybe those are the people who want more of these things to be in the theaters because those are more action driven stories right. um and again there's a place for both of them i have no problem with either side of the 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 equation but as 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 somebody who's you know i i like those character moments it's one of the reasons why i don't read a ton of marvel comics anymore is because they don't have quiet character moments everything's about the arc and and the you know like we have a four issue story and we have to do all these things in it to set up the next four issues after that and it's like what happened to those issues of x-men where they just hung out at the mansion and bullshitted with each other right you know it, it's it's like those are all gone now and it, it's not as it's not as as uh, enjoyable as, of an experience you know you i i, I feel i don't feel as connected to the characters as i used to now because none of them uh, stop and 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 uh, reflect on anything. It's just from one adventure to the next, with uh, um, you know minimal emotional impact. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just a sad day for movies. But... <laughs> well, God forbid you should put something um, that actually affects people on an emotional level. 
Yeah, I agree. And and again, it's a lot of times. I mean, and I don't I don't want to knock all cinema, but when, especially when it comes to like the big Hollywood blockbuster type picture, uh, you get less and less than that because uh, it's become harder and harder for these people to do it in a genuine way. In my opinion, I, I feel like a lot of the emotion is is sort of forced on you. A lot of the time, yeah. You know, and then like I I have no tolerance for that. Like, if you want emotion, you got to earn it. And I feel like a lot of times you're like, oh, no, this is the part when you get sad. And I'm like, no, it's not, because I have no connection to any of this bullshit happening right now. Just my two yeah. cents on the topic. Yeah. But let's shift. Let's, hold on. Let's, I want to wrap this up, but I, I got I got to shift okay. this back. We got way off topic here. Okay. We went down a bit of a rabbit hole. So uh, we this is the conclusion of the first three Disney Plus Marvel streaming series. And I wanted to ask you to rank them. Like, what was your favorite? What was your least favorite? And who's in the middle? Gosh, I would say this was my favorite. It's it's hard between Wanda and 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 Falcon. Um, it just is just because. What's that? It is. I agree with you. No, no, you you go ahead. I was, I was let me buy you a little time here. Um, I. In my opinion, I agree. I think Loki's been my favorite of the shows. Uh, this show uh, in, impressed me from the beginning with uh, this this kind of just off the wall sort of approach to things. This 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 the the, the whole thing, the whole first episode with with Loki going to the TVA, that whole approach, the the character dynamics, you know, Loki and Mobius, Loki and Sylvie, and the, the whole thing. I loved the character interactions. I loved the dialogue between everybody. I, I love the way that it moved between all these different environments. Um, again, I now now that I know that the show was is 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 coming back for another season, I understand why there's still some mysteries left, and and that was the sort of thing that was I was worried about at the end of this of this series was like, well, gosh, if this show's not coming back and we don't get answers to these things, then I might have knocked it down a peg or two. Um, but now that I know it's coming back, I can I can I can be patient and accept that. I really really love this show and I think it's my favorite so far (laughs) and I would go you know I think I have to give WandaVision second as as much as I enjoyed Falcon Winter Soldier um, the the, again the emotional elements they were exploring in WandaVision was so different and so unique from anything that Marvel had done before that that it should be that effort should be applauded and and uh, Jack Jack Schaefer and and Matt Shackman did such a fantastic job bringing that show to the screen and bringing like this really unique vision, pun intended, <laughs> to to life for that series. That uh, it was it was just both these shows were, were something I wasn't expecting them to be uh, in, in a lot of different ways. And and you know, WandaVision might even be the most unique of all the shows. Um, but. Uh, uh, it was just it's just a wonderful way to explore explore uh, different facets and emotions these characters can't do in the time that they're allotted in, in in these big action Avengers movies, you know. Yeah. And again, I enjoyed the crap out of Falcon and Winter Soldier, so it being in third place is not a knock on it. Um, it, it that one just had a, a, a few more bumps in the road than I, than I uh, would have uh, liked, you know. Yeah. I don't I don't know if you agree or not, but that's how I feel about it. I, th- I think I'm more. I, th- I think I do agree. I think for for me between Wanda and 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 Falcon, it's just a matter of which final episode was more disappointing. <laughs> and I think ultimately I had more problems with 
the ending of Falcon and Winter Soldier, whereas the ending of, of Wanda was, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of standard stuff, but I didn't, I didn't find it atro- atrocious or anything. That's not to say I found the ending of Winter Soldier atrocious, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I know, you had, some, you had some bumps with it too, I understand, don't worry. Right. That and, and and like you said, it, it it Wanda was a different, very different show, and I like the fact that uh, you know Marvel's getting into their their magic characters. So yeah, yeah, and like I said, I I like I like this platform, and yeah. listen, I'm I I'm not I'm not above admitting this, Mark. I'm I'm a fairly this is it's it's not the right word to use, but I'm gonna use it anyways. Like I'm fairly lazy. Like it takes a lot to get me out the door to go go to a movie theater anymore. And I like that I could just watch this shit at home. <laughs> I'm so happy that I can stay home and watch my superhero shows on Disney Plus, and I don't have to go anywhere, and I don't have to you know put shoes on or pants. <laughs> and I can just don't watch my shows. Pants. I do hate pants. You know that. So, uh, you know, more of these, please, please. I mean, I've been, I've been imploring uh, anyone who will hear me uh, on Mandovision that uh, I need more Star Wars on Disney Plus, not, not less, and not, uh, you know, Star Wars is always great on the silver screen. Don't get me wrong, but uh, you know, you can do both and give me more of an emotional impact uh, at home than than some of like the forced stuff you've been doing lately. More of that, please. That's all I'm saying. Let's get out of here. Let's wrap this shit up. You got anything else you want to say? Um, I was just going to say uh, just about like some technical stuff. I really like the set design mm-hmm. in this episode. I thought the production design was very good. Um, and to repeat what I said on another episode, I think the cinematography of this show... Uh, has been a lot better than a lot of recent Marvel fare. So yeah. I appreciated that. And we never mentioned um, the music score by Natalie Holt, which um, most music from Marvel stuff, I think, is uh, pretty forgettable. And I think she did a terrific job with the score for this and, and created something pretty unique you know what thank you for shouting her out that's a really great call because you're totally right and it's one of those things i meant to i meant to credit her a while ago and i completely it completely slipped my mind and you were dead on with that you're right the show again a, a very unique show with a very unique music soundtrack that is far more memorable than than a lot of the stuff that we've gotten in the past and uh yeah you're dead right you're dead to rights on that one and i know we, i know we, we've sung her praises before on the show but i to to follow your 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 train of thought here i think kate heron directed the the hell out of the series and i i love that she was on there for every episode the way shackman was for for one division i think bringing that that sort of singular vision is is just so wonderful and i i i applaud the crap out of her for for directing the hell out of every episode of the series yeah i think i i think yeah i think she did a good job yeah right on man all right. Uh, yeah. So, Mark, we're gonna take a little break from uh, from watching Marvel shows for a little bit. Are you gonna be okay? I'm gonna be just fine. <laughs> All right. Give me one show that you're excited about watching. Not not Marvel really. Anything. It can be anything. Is, is there any show in particular you're excited about about you know either checking out for the first time or getting caught up on or anything like that? Like anything have your attention? I know there's something, but it is just not coming to me right now. 
That's all right. We'll check in with you another time and we'll get a good answer, okay? Okay. I'm just I'm 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 just stoked for uh for Dune. Dune. Well, don't worry. We'll 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 uh we'll talk about Dune later. Don't worry. I'm not going to say anything right yeah. now, but uh Dune Dune yeah. talk is coming on this podcast. Brace yourselves. Yes. Get your get your uh oh um get your still suit on. Get ready for that one. Hydrate get properly. Your- Get your weirding module. <laughs> yeah. Watch out for the gom jabar. That's right. All right. Oh boy. All right. Let's go. Mark, right. thanks for hanging out and talking with Loki. Uh, th- thanks for hanging out and talking Loki with me this season. It's been a lot of fun, and I look forward to the next time we hang out and talk about nerdy stuff. All right, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Later. Later. I weaponized a liar. And I ended, I ended the multiversal war. Once I isolated our timeline, all I have to do is manage the flow of time and prevent any further branches. Hence, the TVA. Hence, the timekeepers in a highly efficient bureaucracy. Hence, ages and ages of cosmic harmony. Hence, you're welcome. Woo! That Jonathan Majors, his performance as he who remains is just awesome. I think there's so much to to watch when he's on the screen and he's delivering his lines and he is just inhabiting that role as as sort of, uh, again, a variant himself, you know, again, of this prime timeline, but knowing who else is out there and, and attempting to convince these Lokis that no matter what, how they might feel about him and the things he's done that have affected them, what is out there beyond him is so much worse. And the Marvel Universe will begin to feel that soon. Um, as I said with Mark, I absolutely love this series. I had a blast with this from week to week. It was, it was. I don't want to know. If, I don't know if I want to say it was a roller coaster ride, but it was so much fun, so enjoyable. The obviously last week's episode, getting to hang out with all those Loki variants in the void, just top notch stuff. The rapport between Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson, and then Tom Hiddleston and uh, Sophia DiMartino in this episode. The, the the cast in this series is fantastic. Richard E. Grant as classic Loki. I can't even I can't even talk about it still. And again, uh, so something that came out uh, last week after. After the episode, you know, as we were praising Throg, the appearance of Throg in a jar in the sediment in the in the void, apparently, the voice of Throg was in fact Chris Hemsworth. Come on, how incredible is that? So good, so much good stuff in this series. And again, it wasn't just about the Easter eggs and and all those little references and and things pointing to other things, you know, from the comic books. It, it wasn't about all that. This series was enjoyable on such a unique level and I really really dug it and I had a blast getting into all the fun with it and I'm glad Mark was able to join me for the most of the episodes for the season uh, he missed a handful one or two but uh yeah we had a, a, I loved this series so so much and I hope you all enjoyed the podcast about them because I've had a lot of fun hanging out and talking with all of you and speculating and and trying to give you all some information that maybe maybe you didn't have, but maybe maybe you did already anyways. And maybe you're like, no, you're way off base, sucker. It's this, and that's fine too. I'm not always right. I'm hardly right. You know, I again, I only get partial credit 
for he who or who for he who remains. Um, <laughs> so, but I take that partial credit and I hold it above my head with pride because I was like, yeah, I talked about he who remains. Come on, let's do this. And again, I, you know, we we didn't we weren't quite right on the whole sacred timeline. Uh, you know, like like Kang being behind the scenes, uh, making sure that the timeline resulted in his coming, his arrival. Uh, it's in fact, it was a variant of his per- trying to prevent his arrival and the arrival of the other Kang variants who are equally bad. And one of those var- other variations of Kang we talked about was is is was and is Immortus, who might be somebody who pops up down the road at some point too. Like we will just have to wait and see what's in store for the Marvel Universe, and. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun doing that. All right, but we are going to wrap it up. This was the end of Loki. This was season one for all time, always. And again, directed directed the this whole series directed the crap out of by Kate Heron. She did a phenomenal job. This episode written by Michael Waldron and Eric Martin. Uh, Michael Waldron, also the showrunner of the series, sort of like the guiding light, the guiding, guide, the guiding pen of the Loki series, and also the screenwriter for the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness movie coming out in March of 2023. So get ready for all that fun stuff. And uh, don't think that just because we're done with Loki, we're done with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. No, no, no. Not so fast, my friends. We will be back next week, Monday. We will be dropping our review for Black Widow, now available to watch on Disney Plus or at the cinemas, depending on how you're feeling about that whole situation. But we're going to have our review. We're going to drop it finally. I want to give everyone a little bit more time uh, because I wasn't sure how people were feeling about going to the theaters or if you were going to check it out on Disney+. Plus. So I want to give about a week, a little over, it'll be a little over a week when we drop it on Monday. So hopefully everybody's had a chance to check it out because we're going to get into the nitty-gritty, all the spoilerific details on that episode. It's going to be a hoot. So we will come back, or I'm sorry, I will be back on Monday. New guest, but we're going to break it down and have so much fun. All right. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. Remember, please support the show by uh, doing five-star reviews and letting everybody you know, friends, families, loved ones, uh, despised enemies, you know, share this podcast with them. That means the world to me. And please follow us on social media at Mando, oh boy, wrong podcast, at Tomcast Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. You can email the show, TomcastPopcast at gmail.com. All right, my name is Tom. Okay, this is this is this is my show. This is the Tomcast Popcast. Deal with it. Just deal with it. And I thank you all so so much for listening. And a final shout out to the official members of Pophead Nation, which you can join at patreon.com forward slash Tomcast Popcast. You can join the nation and gain access to the bonus content. Thank you to the current Patreons, the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman, the Batman of Bayfark, Jeff Nail. Jeff co-hosting the Ring and Ear. Great music podcast. Check it out. Thanks to Evil Circle. The evilest of all circles. The Squidmaster General, Brian Roussard. The New Jersey Devil, Mark Wagamer. Our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista Pariah Brewing Company. Right here in San Diego. Coming soon to Baltimore, Maryland. And of course, Jesus Beer Hops, the Beer Hop Brigadier General himself. Thank you all so much for the support. It means the world to me and I hope you are having as much fun with this show as I am. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talk to you all soon. Ciao, babes. And if you think I'm evil, well... This way, till you meet my variants. And that's the gambit. We're not gonna be fucking sunk this year. We're the Stanley Cup champions.
And I'm a big fan of your beer too. 